and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 48, where today I'm joined by Todd and Melinda Copet from Alchemy Foods. Now on this episode, Todd and Melinda share their alchemy story, which began well prior to moving their lives in 2016 from down in the States in Seattle and into Rosalind over the Canadian border, which is nestled in the Kootenays here in BC. Not only do we skim the surface on the business that they've built, but also on the life that they've built together for their two young children. Now fast forward to today from 2016, and Todd and Melinda are busy operating and tending to Alchemy Foods, which was most recently recognized as the winner of Outstanding Product of the Year at the From the Ground Up trade show, which was held in September by Andrea Gray Grant and her team at Good to Grow. But before we cut into the show, I recommend that you head along to their website and see if there's a rear tailor near you that stocks their gluten-free sourdough bread. Because I'm not kidding you and I'm dead set serious. When you taste their bread, you'll be blown away as I was. I toasted some up, had it with butter, we had it with some meals, and uh, yeah, the kids loved it. Ash, my wife, loved it. It is, honestly, it's delicious. So head along to their website if you can't find any retailers near you, and you can also purchase a loaf online. You will not be disappointed. Now, before we kick off into the show, just a couple of notes from our show sponsors. Foodpack is a Vancouver-based company headquartered in Richmond, BC, and having been in business for well over 50 years, it's fair to say that we've got the experience, knowledge, and capability required to ensure that you end up with the right flexible package for your business. We specialize in three specific areas of Foodpack, one of which is stock bags, which you could think of as a turnkey solution, custom printed bags, which is actually my favorite part of the business and what I think I do best, and our packaging equipment, like Cipramac vacuum chamber machines, Plexpack band sealers, and repack tray sealers and thermoformers. So if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or would like to assess your existing packaging and equipment options, I recommend that you get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at foodpack.ca or by calling me on my work cell, which is 604-360-6790. A while ago, I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast, and it was the episode where Tim was interviewing actor Hugh Jackman. And during the conversation, Tim asked Hugh why he hired and was working with a personal coach and what value he found in working with a coach. And in typical Hugh style, his response was, mate, if Roger Federer, one of the greatest tennis players of all time, still has a tennis coach, why shouldn't I have somebody in my corner who pushes me? And that is exactly why I started working with Brad Bodnichuk. Now, Brad is a coach who will absolutely push you in all areas of your life. And a good example of that is this podcast for me. This podcast would not be here if it wasn't for Brad saying, mate, you are completely capable of doing that. So if you want somebody to be in your corner, helping you define what it is exactly that you want in your life, I recommend that you reach out to Brad Bonnachuk for a free 45-minute strategy session by visiting the link in the show notes. Futurepreneur Canada is the only national non-profit organization that supports young entrepreneurs aged 18 to 39 with up to $60,000 in financing, an expert business mentor for up to two years, and resources to help you plan, manage, and grow your business. 
I actually interviewed Mina Higigi from Futurepreneur on episode 31, and I recommend that you go back through the catalog and have a listen because Mina outlines with some detail the program options and webinar series that they have on offer at Futurepreneur. Uh, one that I'd like to point out is their three-part workshop series called Rock My Business Idea, Plan, and Cashflow. And I think this is a really good program for you if obviously you've got a business idea and you want to turn it into reality and all of the work that you need to do to actually turn it into something tangible. If you'd like to learn more about the programs at Futurepreneur, head on down to the show notes and click on their link. Todd, Melinda, welcome to the show. Thanks. We're super excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We obviously met at the Good to Grow um, trade show a couple of weeks back, uh, hosted by Andrea and her amazing team. And you guys were the winners of the gold medal when it comes to the most outstanding product. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, it was such a great day, such a good group of people out there. And yeah, it was pretty amazing to, to get that feedback. It was great. Yeah, isn't it? And especially being voted by your peers as well. It's a little bit more special, you know, when everybody sort of recognizes you for the product that you're putting out into the world and the brand that you've created and, you know, all of the hard work and energy that you've put into your business. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah so it was quite an honor. We really didn't expect it, but it was uh, pretty special to get. Yeah, of course. Um, so you guys have been operating out of Roslyn in the Kootenays. How long have you been located there for? We've been here for six years now. Yeah. Um, but before that, we were actually um, not in the country. We're originally from Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, but so we've been out here for six years, loving it. The totally drawn to the mountain culture. Yeah. Uh, the lifestyle. Uh, it was a really great kind of reprieve from what we were doing in our past lives, and yep. it really inspired a lot of what we're currently doing now. Okay. So have you guys come from corporate America? You could say. Yes, definitely. Okay, cool. What was your background? Um, I was kind of in lots of different roles from sales to product development and marketing, um, mostly for internet companies, um, scaling like online software, things yeah. of that nature. Right. Yeah. And Todd, what was your background? So my background was in finance, a little bit more on the operational side. So corporate finance as opposed to more like banking and that sort of thing. And Melinda yeah. and I actually worked at the same company for a period of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so an internet company, software companies, um, yeah. and kind of all the forecasting, budgeting, and, you know, liaison between the, the team and the, the ownership group. Yeah, right. So you guys had a real change of life. You headed up, you went north over the border, and you found yourself in the hospitality industry. I'd love to hear all about that, because that is an uncommon story. <laughs> It is. It was, I think the truth of it is, it might be similar to a lot of people's stories, but you know, corporate burnout's a pretty real yeah, thing. We it? get, people get tired. Um, and we were kind of feeling that we love being in Seattle. We're, uh, both of our families are in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, but really wanted to dedicate ourselves to something different. Mm -hmm. Um, something that we were passionate about, but we didn't really know what that was at that time, but we mm -hmm. just knew we were ready for the next ch chapter of our lives and we're okay to not know what that looked like specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely a leap of faith. We actually, um, quit our jobs, sold the house and didn't even know if we were going to be able to cross the border at that point. Um, so we actually camped. We took a long drive down Highway One yep. for about a month, and um, saw the coast and enjoyed that with our kids. And then in the last 
day or two, Todd will probably remember better than I will. Um, we got the notice that we were allowed to cross the border and, wow. and, and come up this way. So it was really uh, a pretty monumental moment for us. It was meant point. to be. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And did you know that you were to base yourselves in Rosalind or did you just sort of find yourselves there as well? We knew it was going to be Rosalind. Yeah, we, um, that was really a huge draw for us, just mm -hmm. finding the town. And um, it was just a perfect change of pace from what we had been doing. Yeah. Um, as we left, I mean, as Melinda mentioned, we kind of sold most of our goods and sort of started this new step forward without much of a plan. Yeah. Um, but Rosalind was kind of the centerpiece of that. And so yeah. we'd found the town. Um, I had found a cooking school nearby, which I applied to. And that was um, really helpful in terms of getting us across on a temporary visa. Yeah. And also really helpful in terms of getting us into the hospitality world, like you mm. mentioned getting some background in cooking because that was far from what our prior lives and careers had been in. But yeah, yeah, Rosalind was pretty center for us. Um, interesting. It's just a few miles or kilometers across the border. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was quite a big shift for us to, you know, move out of the city and out of the States. Um, and we really have loved it since we got here. Yeah, no doubt. I've been to Rosalind before back in 2010, I did a ski season at Big White in Kelowna. Oh, and nice. uh, yeah, we did a road trip down to Rosalind for the day and skied at Red and it was awesome. It was like one of the best powder days of my life. I talk about it or I think <laughs> about it more often than I, um, than I don't, to be honest, like th that was an amazing ski season and yeah, it was a really good winter, but yeah, that day at Red was awesome. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget it, to be honest, uh, the old rickety lifts and yeah, it yeah. was cool. <laughs> it's old school. We love it. Yeah. Like no lines. Yeah. We're not yeah. supposed to tell anybody, but um, yeah. yeah, it's great. The skiing's fantastic. You what really a great place to raise the kids. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Have they got skis? Do you guys get annual passes every year? Not every year. Yeah. Um, we did last year, but like we've had a few years where we've actually just taken the kids and done more like backcountry skiing yep. and some yep. touring, which is really great out here too. So we've yeah. had a mix of a mix of both. Sometimes it's at the kids are really keen to ski the hill. Yeah. And sometimes we're all just kind of ready to play in the backcountry a little bit. So we do a little bit of both. Beautiful. So yeah. let's get into the uh, alchemy story. I think you have, you know, obviously created a beautiful brand and I want to touch on the brand because it reminds me of Aesop. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Aesop back in Australia, um, the cosmetic company. Have you heard of it? No. All right. All right. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. And obviously, yeah, digging into sort of the idea of alchemy, where it came from and sort of how you guys turned it into a tangible reality. And mm -hmm. then I'd sort of love to dig into, you know, everyday working life as a married couple in an operation, I can imagine we provide its challenges at times. I grew up in my parents' business and I know exactly what it can be like, especially, you know, you get home and you're still having conversations of, about work around the dinner table and, you know, raising kids in a business as well would, you know, it's amazing, but also provides challenges. And I've bore witness to all of that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, yeah, we've got some amazing stories. Like I, I definitely spent some time researching you guys and reading your blogs and you guys write beautifully like you guys definitely know how to tell a story and I think it encapsulates a lot and I think that could be a really good place to jump off and there was a, a snippet from one of the blog posts that I um, I read and I thought that we could probably draw a lot of conversation from it so you were talking about entrepreneurship and you said we learned about suppliers distributors food safety importers brokers margins required ad spending, listing fees, packaging, you name it, like everything. Uh, we learned how complex the food industry is. We gained an understanding as to why the majority of products on the shelves are not focused on health or quality. We got frustrated with the challenges of entering this world based on all of the advice we'd received. All of the guidance was to do it how everyone else does it. And that wasn't something we wanted to do. So we stayed the course. We determined our own values and let them become our natural guide. 
So those values, I'd love to sort of jump off there because I think that that's sort of, you know, the pillars that you've built the business around. So let's talk about values. And, you know, you obviously had an idea of the kind of life that you wanted to create for yourselves up here in Canada. And I think that you've probably, you know, created it in alchemy in itself. Would that be true? Yeah, I think it's something that we're striving for, whether it's perfection is, is not really attainable, but we're always striving to implement the things that we really care about and trying to find ways to also integrate that into our business and mm. um, share those values with other people. Yeah. Um, so yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to throw actually this to Todd because he was the writer of those beautiful words. So I think mm-hmm. he should probably share some of his thoughts on it. Yeah, certainly. Um, thanks, Melinda. And I mean, in terms of the I think some of the core values that we've looked at with it that have kind of emerged um, and I'll take it one step back. So when we first came to Roslyn, we really truly honestly didn't have a plan. We didn't know what we're going to do other than I was going to go to cooking school and learn how to cook because prior to that, I was not good at making toast or scrambled eggs or anything else. (laughs) Um, And so I had always wanted to learn that. And Melinda had done a lot of tinkering in the kitchen up until that time frame. But so, um, it was a bit by accident that we started the business. In fact, um, Melinda was um, at home with the kids at that point who were quite young. So she was spending a fair amount of time at home managing that. And um, she'd been working on some products, uh, some granola bars. And so she had actually took those to the local farmer's market. She kind of got a bee in her bonnet that mm. she wanted to try those out. She'd been making them for years, a couple of years at home, probably two to three years, Melinda. Is that right? Yeah. I think so. That's mountain, that mountain bites. Yeah, that mountain was mountain bites. bites. Got yeah. you. Yep. And she got a hankering to go and 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 sell those. And so, um, I'll kind of fast forward a little bit. We basically went to a farmer's market, and then a few months later, we were working out of a commercial space, a shared kitchen. Yeah. And within about eight months, we had built out our own first kitchen. Mm-hmm. All this had gone from basically ground level of me not really being able to cook, and Melinda having done some tinkering to us uh, operating a wholesale and kind of direct customer food business. Um, And so some of those words were just our exploration in terms of reaching out to suppliers, um, learning from the grocers that we were talking to. We have a lot of local grocers here. So they're very open in terms of how the process works and how we kind of get involved and the best ways to kind of approach that market. And we kind of kept running into a lot of the same issues. And there's just a lot of places along the way that you get hit with various um margins and cuts that kind mm-hmm. of come at you yeah and we found it very challenging to get the type of quality ingredients into the products that we wanted and so that became a huge focus for us is we don't want to compromise on the quality of what's going into the products um and i think we we're just a little bit surprised and did you know started to do a lot of math in terms of how how can we meet the model as the world has it set up mm. and still get the product to be the quality that we want. And we just had a lot of trouble trying to figure that one out. And so we've really stayed true to not reducing the quality, not reducing the kind of the quality of the ingredients um, or just the recipe in general to fit into that mold. Mm. So that's one place where the value, our personal value is very much towards the product quality. Um, the other area that we're exploring and pushing on more and more now is as a household and as a couple, we've really uh, been concerned with the environment and mm. our impact on it. So we've made a variety of choices throughout our 
marriage in our lives to try to reduce that impact. And so from the start, we've been really struggling with the fact that most consumer food has to be packaged in single use, single use. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever material it might be. Yeah. And that's where I think Melinda will agree. We're not perfect, but we're constantly striving. We're really trying to do a better job. It's Mm. a challenging market to navigate. There's a lot, um, probably some misinformation out there in terms of what's better and what's worse. There's and, lots, there's lots of misinformation. misinformation. Yeah. I have these too, conversations right? every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so valid. those are two of the values that we really clung to. Um, and we're doing our best on the packaging front, but, mm-hmm. um, but those are, you know, some of the areas that we're looking and not trying to sort of seek out, you know, large monetary gains. It's much more of trying to create a product that we're proud of that holds to our personal values, things that we would serve our family at home. Yeah. But do it in a way that can get onto the shelf and into people's pantries and fridges and freezers. And sustain your lives as well. Yeah. Anything to add on that, Melinda? No, I I think that that covers that covers it really. Yeah. There was one blog post in particular where you guys were telling the story about how you sat down at the kitchen table and you wrote on the big yellow notepad. And now you've got that note framed on the wall. So tell us a little bit about that background story. Yeah, that was, we were living in Colorado at the time and we had two young kids, very mm. young. How old? Um, oh, gosh, Gretchen would have just been like two. I think we had a, yeah, and two and a half and about six to eight months. On the yeah, other. really young. That, okay. Yeah, like really young. <laughs> in the thick um, of it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, in the thick of it and <clears throat> both like kind of full on full fledged careers. And mine was taking me in and out of um, DC and Chicago a lot. So I had travel going on and Todd had a lot of demand on his role. And so we just, yeah, I think we just felt called to sit down and really think about the things that really matter to us in our Mm. lives, (laughs) because life gets so busy. Um, I think we all know like life, life pace just keeps going. Yeah. Um, there's always something more to get done or to do. So yeah, I think it was one of those turning point moments for us where we just kind of wanted to sit down and establish like what we really felt was important to, or important and what we were missing at the moment, mm-hmm. um, in our lives, but that we wanted to really take, um, a concerted effort to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was where that, yeah, we sat down and, and started writing some of those things. Um, there's there's something to be said about actually putting pen to paper and actually like putting that vision down on paper you know like it it turns it into something realistic that you can look at and just the fact that you've got it up on your wall and you could probably reflect on it now and see how far you've come must feel really great as well yeah it's super exciting I mean you're right putting it down on paper I mean I have a lot of people that say I just like put it on your fridge just write down those three or four things or Mm. or five whatever it is of like I just I want to work towards this or set this goal for myself. And I find oftentimes, you know, we might not even go back and look at it, but once you've kind of set that in motion in your head, mm. um, it, it really provides a lot of movement and you, your brain kind of starts working on it in the background of how to like implement those things. We mm. actually do that in our shop. We have two giant walls that we've just covered in chalkboard paint and everything goes up on the wall all the things that we're thinking about from the business perspective, our goals, things that we're trying to achieve and, you know, slowly or as fast as we can, they just start coming off and we start getting to add more on there of things Mm. that we think are important. And it's a really cool way to operate. That is cool. Like 
you know, just the fact that you guys recognized that life wasn't what you wanted. Like you knew that you wanted more out of life. You knew that what, you know, there was something that you wanted to obtain and you guys, you know, were brave enough to sit down and put pen to paper and go, okay, it's one thing to put pen to paper and like have a vision. And then it's another thing to actually put it into action. So what did all of that look like? Like there must've been a ton of hurdles that you guys had to, you know, jump over just to even get to a point where you're like, are we really going to do this? Are we going to quit our jobs and just pack up, sell everything and get on the road and just risk it all? That must've taken quite a bit of courage to sort of, as a couple to go, you know what, this is what we want to do and screw it. Let's just see what happens. Because not many people that do that, like, you know, there's a certain element of comfort and security in knowing what you know. And then there's the adventure of getting out and, you know, throwing a caution into the wind. And like, personally, like in your early twenties, when you don't have any commitments and you don't have any kids, that's easy. Like that's part of being in your twenties, but when you've got kids and a family and financial commitments and so on to do it, then that's another story. So what's, what's up with that? How did you do it? Yeah. I love that you could see that because you're right it is it was super hard it Mm. it's really hard to make dramatic changes in your life um I will say for myself I we we thought we had kind of gotten to where we wanted to be in life to be totally honest like we we had been in Colorado we moved back to Seattle thinking okay we have two young kids we're gonna go live near our family yeah. and, and have this life. Um, and we had purchased a home in the place that we had dreamed of purchasing a home. We're like, wow, we've really just got it, got what we thought we were looking for. Um, the interesting thing is that sometimes you get to where you think you're looking for and you realize it's not what you were yeah. looking for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that was the realization that we had was we thought we were like, this is it. And then we didn't actually feel that way once we were there. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to throw it to Todd just because he has a saying that I think speaks well to this. And it's, we knew what we were doing wasn't working. Mm. Um, and so Todd, I'm going to let you like finish sure. that off. Cause I won't say it correctly, but no, it really does not. speak to what we were, where we were at in our heads. Yeah, no, that was kind of where my head went as well. So um, yeah. And Melinda spoke to it correctly. We kind of got to this place. Uh, we had dated when we lived in Seattle, we'd moved around post sort of dating into marriage. We live in Chicago, Colorado. Yeah. When we dated in Seattle as I'd say as youngsters, there was this neighborhood that we walked around. And so we had purchased a house there when we were moving back and it just felt surreal. It just unbelievable that we we're going to be there. Um, and I remember we had some snafus getting into the home, but I was actually, hey, I was in Melbourne that week uh, for yeah. my work and Melinda moved everything in and I got back uh, at the airport, got picked up and went to the new house. And just, um, I remember I couldn't sleep that night. It was like the most uncomfortable night of my life being in this house and feeling like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, it was not what I was expecting at all to have that feeling after having kind of searched and sought for so long. But um, I guess I'll you know, admittedly, the note that we wrote, the yellow note that's actually up on the wall right behind me was written about uh, four or five years before we actually made all these other changes. But mm. um, so we moved into that house in Seattle. And I think within two months, we were looking at each other like this isn't, you know, we have to be out, we have to figure something else out. 
and it did take quite a while. We did a bit of searching and looked all around and we kind of would waffle a little bit of like, well, how are we actually going to get out of this situation? And I felt very much painted in the corner was just, I had lived my life in a certain way. I'd kind of like moved in a certain direction. And I felt like I was absolutely stuck in a corner of how do I get out of this? Like, how do we escape? And that feeling was, was quite uncomfortable, I suppose, as we, as we realized it. Um, but I remember one day, um, I kind of I took a, a carpool to work and I was walking from the carpool to my office, which was on the a decent ways away from where we live. And I'd always call Melinda on the way. And I remember just kind of that moment of this is not working and it's clear that it's not working. So the risk of leaving is very low because if something else doesn't work, it's, it's no worse than this, yeah. but we might find something that works really well. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge moment. And so for the next, probably, I want to say it was about six months before we actually moved, maybe eight months. That was just the momentum behind everything that we did was like, well, this isn't working. So what's the holdup? Like mm. if we aren't happy and aren't content with this sort of life that we set up for ourselves, there's no damage in, in trying something else. But in 10 years or 15 years, and we look back and know we were unhappy that whole time, that's actually much more risky. That's yeah. much more real and palpable. Yeah. And I can tell that's going to happen. So it became, a, it almost became like a locomotive. It was uncontrollable. Like we just have to leave because now we can't do it. And then it started to kind of move further into, well, we've got kids. And like you mentioned, in your 20s, mm-hmm. it's easy to do. And yeah. it's like, you got to do it. And so a lot of, as I started telling some of my friends and coworkers and things, what was going on, they thought it was a little bit crazy. And I'd kind of say, well, actually I need my kids to see this because yeah. I don't want them to get stuck in the same sort of a place that they don't want to be. And or so, see the unhappiness that you guys are feeling because that rubs off on them. Mm-hmm. Like they just yeah. are so aware of everything. Yeah. I don't yeah. want them to be trained into it either. Of like, yeah. oh, well, I don't like what I'm doing, but this is just how life is. You just yeah. do it. And so yeah. those two pieces really pushed us. And I think we're the engine to getting us to move. Mm. that's amazing yeah so brave of you guys and so you know you made the move and then you got to a point where you know you had the vision for a business did you always know that you wanted to be business owners and this is something that you wanted to do or is that sort of a part of the story like it was something you discovered along the way we should answer this separately (laughs) i think we discovered it along the way there were there's been times in our marriage where we've always said what are we going to do yeah we're going to do something, but I just don't know what it is. And that was a theme that continued to come up for us. We just didn't have an answer to it, but we knew that together we're very, we get along well, but we're very much opposites. Our brains work completely opposite of one another, but we knew that we wanted to do something. Um, I think when we moved, when we finally crossed the border and made it to Rosalind, we had told ourselves, let's give ourselves a year to figure out you know, what it is that we want to do next. Um, let's give ourselves a year to figure that out. And I think it's just the way that I'm made up, but I just, I was uncomfortable. I was like, well, mm. we can't not work for a year. I have to do something. Mm. Um, and so that for me just spurred me to take something that I was already doing at home yep. that I had a lot of passion for. I love food. I love feeding people. I love health. I love wellness. Like those are my passions. And so in that moment, when I was at home and Todd was, um, at cooking school, I, you know, just set off. It's like, I've got to do something with my time. Um, and so that was my driver, whether I knew where it was going to take me or not, I wouldn't say that that was something I could have foreseen. Um, but that was kind of what was happening for me behind the 
behind the scene. Right. Yeah, no, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, my wife was, you know, still on maternity leave right now. We've got my daughter Hazel's about to turn two tomorrow, which is oh, really nice. exciting. And my son Xavier's four. And, you know, we're in the thick of it like you guys have been in the past. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, my wife asked, like, you know, it's one thing to have a career and then the feeling of being uprooted, you know, from your career and, you know, being a fully engaged and happy mum, and, you know, mm-hmm. being, you know, at home with the kids and, you know, molding their little characters is, you know, an amazing thing to do. But then when you've yeah. got a career that you've spent all of this time educating yourself on, you know, you've engaged in it and you've started and then to sort of, you know, put a little pause on it must be mm-hmm. a barrier that you'd have to work through. Cause I know that my wife Ash feels that way at times as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. There's yeah. a balance. And yeah. I think uh, probably for anybody, like we all have different versions of ourselves. Yeah. We all have many versions of who we are and yeah. you kind of have to give each of them their, their worth and their attention. And so yeah. for me, there's very much a side of me that, um, needs that mom time. I yeah. love my kids. I love spending that time. And then there's another side of me that loves being a businesswoman. Yeah. I love, uh, interacting and, and seeing something grow and, uh, and being creative and having that part of, um, of me that is also important so yeah. nurturing both of those sides is is really good 100 todd at what point did you realize that bread was going to be the vehicle that would you would use to sort of you know encapsulate everything that you had for you know, the vision in your life and you know obviously getting the business up and running so um bread actually became our primary product about a year and a half ago right. so from the outset we were actually we produced the bread but the mountain bites the granola bars were our kind of the breadwinner of the business, I guess you'd say they, Got you. uh, a variety of reasons that those turned out to be kind of an easier vehicle for us to start with. So we had pushed that product and actually had quite a bit of success. That was, um, we we're pretty heavy in travel and tourism. We were at some major kind of national retailers and things like that. And, um, really we're proud of where we were. So that was kind of right up until COVID. And at that point we were doing bread um, but it was not a primary focus. It was, it's much more challenging to move a product like bread. That's fresh, yeah. short shelf life, um, very manual, heavy labor to kind of get it going. Um, but when COVID occurred, then that really, uh, it shut us down a lot because most of our customers required high density, high traffic locations. And so all of those locations were shut down. Yeah. So the product remained great. We still are happy and proud of that product, but our customers just couldn't buy from us anymore. So we really quickly had to figure out a pivot point. And I think Melinda had wanted the bread to be a primary product earlier than that. And I had been a bit resistant because uh, I, I do a little bit of the kitchen operation side and it's just a bit more of a headache to kind of figure out how to go with it. Complex. So, yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. We really, I think we locked ourselves in the basement for about two weeks uh, or three weeks at COVID and kind of rewrote the whole business model and did a whole yeah. bunch of research on market and what was what, had a few discussions with some industry people and at that point decided, well, we've got this bread product and the few samples that we have in terms of our local grocers are good. So we're just going to put everything into that. So we revised the model and um, you know, quickly jumped to it. I'll say that even when mountain bites were going like from our farmer's market days, we knew that bread could be much bigger, yeah. but we didn't know that we had the capacity or sort of the will to, to <laughs> sort of struggle with it and, and fight through it. Um, but yeah, it was really COVID. It forced the issue and I love it. I actually, um, I find myself quite at home with baking. It's yeah. like, uh, 
a real enjoyable act for me for a variety of reasons. But um, and your starter yeah. is your new baby that you've got that you have a life every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We got yeah. yeah the business is a baby and the starter is a baby. So yep. we got like a it's a full family these days. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoy the whole process. It's got a lot of art. It's got a lot of science. Yeah. Um, it's got some mindlessness where you get to kind of wander in your thoughts. Uh, it's nice to be up early. So Working with your hands. Yeah. Quite enjoy about it. And I, yeah, I feel really much more sort of at home and comfortable in that. But yeah, I'd say really COVID was the thing that pushed the issue. We probably knew, I don't know, from very early on that bread had the opportunity to be the best thing for us, but we just didn't quite want to jump into it because there were so many challenges and hurdles to yeah. kind of overcome. Yeah, no that was doubt. one of those marital moments, Hayden, where <laughs> we disagreed. <laughs> well, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, so your brand is beautiful, and it looks like you've spent a time, a ton of energy and time, sort of creating that brand, and sort of it feels to me like you've got a really good understanding of the consumer that you're targeting as well. But the what the first thing that I thought of when I saw your brand was Aesop, which is a cosmetic company that I mentioned back home yeah. started in St. Kilda. If you're familiar with St. Kilda at all, Todd being, you know, having stuck your head down in Melbourne, but yeah, they're a global skincare brand now. And um, the really cool thing about Aesop, I don't know, you should definitely check it out online is yeah. that each Aesop store is like, has its own unique interior and design. Mm-hmm. And they collaborate with a lot of various designers out there, but it was established in 1987. And um, yeah, this beautiful clinical brand, very, very, very similar to yours. And it was like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you guys are about and who you're targeting. And you know, the brand that you've got just fits so well, like your bread bag, actually guys, thank you so much for sending a loaf of bread my way. We really, yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But yeah, when I saw that bread bag, I'm like, it fits so beautifully on your bench at home. Like it just, it looks at home there and, you know, it's got an aesthetic and a feel where you don't want to throw it in the pantry. You want to keep it out on the, yeah, you know, right. on the bench. And I think that's a really cool quality to have because it's not very often that you get something and you actually want to keep it on your bench. And, um, and that's got sort of that feel that Aesop has as well. Like you go into a display home or a show home and they have got a bottle of Aesop hand wash or lotion or something like that, either sitting in a bathroom or in a kitchen. And, you know, people quite often keep the bottle and just fill it with regular stuff because it's just a beautiful bottle. (laughs) But um, yeah, so check out Aesop. But when you were developing the brand and were you working with an agency or was it something you guys put together? (laughs) The truth is Hayden, that bag, I printed that right before we came to the trade show. Right. You right, wouldn't like know it. it just came out. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was very tricky. No, we didn't work with anybody. I have an amazing, have to give her some credit. Her name is Sam. She works with us. She's part of our team. Yeah. And it was just she and I, she yeah. and I uh, working through the nitty gritty details yeah. and yeah, trying to get it the way that we want. So several iterations we've yeah. worked with um, some graphic designers in the past and we kind of, when we really made this uh, change to bread being kind of our, our base, our, yep. you know, what we were coming home to is bread. Core. Yeah. The core, it just was, you know, we felt like we wanted to, to do a refresh. And so that was it. And I appreciate your, your comments on it because I really do think that everything is so experiential. Mm. So it starts with, you know, I think we eat with our eyes first. Um, So it's trying to communicate the amount of kind of love and attention that goes into our product. Um, And we don't, I wish, I love talking to people. Um, You kind of want to sit there and be able to tell everybody about what goes into it, but Mm. you kind of have to do that through your package. So uh, 
it was kind of our hope to convey the love and the care and the cleanliness of the of the product through that package and that was kind of the basis around around creating it got yeah well it works that's for sure and it was definitely you know an aesthetic and a feel that resonated with me and you know i love bread and you know i have a lifestyle where i also you know i'm very cognizant of the amount of gluten that i eat and yeah, yeah it just uh, ticked the box that i live in so Great. um i guess one other thing guys and i'm really sorry that we're limited on time today that's okay but I have got another question for you. So I know that you guys have put a ton of energy and effort into building this business. And obviously you're starting to see the rewards of it starting, you know, showing now, especially coming out of the, you know, the tail end of what we're seeing, or it may not even be the tail end. We've still probably got a long way to go through COVID, but yeah. you've obviously worked through that and, you know, you've adjusted the business to accommodate the, the position that we all found ourselves in. You have been working with um, Andrea at um, Andrea Gray Grant, and I can imagine yeah. that you would have found a ton of value in that. And I'd love to quickly talk to you about that. Yeah. At what point was it that you decided to work with a coach or work with Andrea and her team? Um, well, I'm trying to remember. She, We really connected. Um, we reached out because I have been kind of following that trade show for a while. I think yeah. it's really creative what they're doing. There's so many wonderful companies and people that are trying to get their products out and as you know from the ground up is literally what it's called yeah. sometimes it's hard to get your name out there with yeah. so many products and you're competing with national brands you're trying to get your products on the shelf and um so that was what drew me to them it's just really what they were what their goals were and i really liked their mission statement of trying to build um, local BC companies and get them out there to the market. Yeah. So that was really the launching point was my interest in that trade show. Um, but obviously through that, she's got so many, um, they have so many great courses. Um, if you're an entrepreneur getting into the food industry, we kind of, kind of beat our head against the wall, honestly, tracking down all the information and the margins and yeah. the details and distributors. And that was for us, we probably did it the hard way. And I'll, I think a lot of it is because we're rural, we're, you know, in the Kootenai mountains. And you don't so necessarily we're, have great access to people. Yeah. No, we don't. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's more a lot of knocking on doors and making phone calls and yeah. learning the hard way, if you will. And so finding Andrea was like, oh my gosh, what a great resource because yeah. they just, they have the information. They want you to be successful and they will help you, um, you know, with a lot of those questions that you won't necessarily have to find all yourself, which is great. Yeah, that is cool. I've had this conversation with a few people that I've had on the podcast and uh, yeah, everybody speaks so highly of Andrea, you know, we've all had the opportunity to sit and uh, have a good conversation with her personally. And I yeah. think we can all, you know, attest to the fact that she's so switched on and so well connected in the industry and to even put on a trade show to give people like you an opportunity to get in front of buyers, you know, get in front of people. And, you know, obviously you guys are still, um, you know, uh, showcasing your product at farmers markets but that's a great way to get in front of consumers and get that instant feedback yeah. um but yeah andrea is amazing and it was really cool to hear that you guys have worked with her because i can imagine that would have provided you with a huge advantage too yeah definitely yeah she's got great guidance yeah uh, definitely recommend those awesome those guys they're a great team yeah yeah they are guys if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever and I mean, there's many more years to come, but let's just talk about the next 12 months. What is it specifically that you will have accomplished? And this is in life or in business. Okay. In the next year. 
Well, I would say, oh, I have to think about that one. Todd, do you have something off the top of your head? I have a um, few things that I'd. I've got a few bullet points. Uh, I think we'd be, so we're working right now on our certification for non-GMO and gluten. Oh, cool. Those yep. would be two that we would want to have. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah um, and then we're in the process of, you know, trying to basically upgrade our facility. So I think a yep. smooth transition from where we are into the, the next space, which is sort of yet to be fully determined, but, uh, you know, a smooth transition into a larger capacity and yep. hopefully we're not, as soon as we move in looking for the space after that, but that seems to be the way that, <laughs> that is. Yeah. We just moved into a new warehouse here at food pack and we're already looking for the next one. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? It's yeah. been every time in yeah. all the stages of our business, it's like, okay, great. We're here. And it's like, oh shoot, here not we go much again. Longer. Let's yeah. do it again. All right. Well, guys, that's it. It's a great goal to have in front of you. And I'm sure that you're going to achieve it because you both seem like extremely focused and driven people. Um, I think the story that you've just told is um, testament to that. So congratulations and good luck Thanks. with it all. Um, if anybody wanted to reach out and get in touch with you and taste your delicious bread, what's the best way to go about it? Yeah, well, definitely our website is a great way to do it. You can order all of our products online. Um, so if there's not a retailer that we're currently at, um, you can order direct from us. We bake it fresh and send it to you. Uh, so fresh bread in the mail, it's just great. Um, uh, we're also on Instagram. We don't do a lot of posting on there, but we do make sure that we answer any customer questions or anything yeah. like that. So you can absolutely reach us there as well. Um, but yeah, or contact us through our website is great. Awesome, guys. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate the conversation. I feel like we could have spoken for another hour, but that was yeah, great. No, thank you. That was great. Thank you so much for having us. No worries, guys. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye. I'd like to say a special thank you to our show sponsors, Food Pack, Brad Mondachuk, and Futurepreneur Canada for making this all happen. If you've got any questions from today's show, feel free to shoot me an email at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn under Hayden Thompson, that's T-H-O-M-S-O-N, or you could DM me on Instagram. And one thing that would mean the absolute world to me would be a rating and a review. I'll see you next week.